All right. Thank you, Paxton, everybody. Um, beautiful prayer, too, man. Thankful. Uh, hunters as well this morning. Good prayers today. Uh, how's everybody doing? Good. All right, those of you that were asleep during those prayers, I'm glad that you're here with us once again. Um, hey, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, if you have your Bible with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going to be today. Um, man, just as we, as we begin to launch in this morning, I am really, really thankful. Um, how many of you kind of grew up maybe seeing the doxology or had some sort of reference point for that in your life of faith? Yeah, a number of us. Uh, look, here's the reality. I think mornings like this, especially in this season, are, are really special to me. Look, we, we've been together as, as a campus uh, for almost three years now. Uh, so I see faces in this room that, that are here for the first time today. I see faces uh, in this room that were here on the very first day in, in July, August of 2018 when we, when we, had, we began to have uh, services Look, uh, so in a lot of ways, this is still really new. This is our first senior recognition indoors uh, that, that we did outside last year. Got to do it here in this place uh, for the first time today, honoring, honoring Leslie as she transitioned. A lot of new things are happening. Uh, and you're going to come to see, I think, uh, to, to try to telegraph in some ways, over the course of the next few months, you're going to see things that will continue uh, to emerge and to be consistent here in this place that, that kind of didn't exist before. That's part of being new. I think one of the fun things about newness is, is the creation of traditions, the creation of things that are traditions. And so, look, as a number of us on our staff and our worship team have discussed, look, we feel like the doxology is a really, really helpful thing for us as we walk into a time of offering, a time of giving. This isn't something that's rote that we just do. Like, we, we've got to collect money to make this thing run, so we're going to, like, pass the baskets during a designated time, and then we're going to pull at the heartstrings and play a song that everybody knows uh, to, to make that happen and be more effectual. Like, that's not the goal of this. What we're really seeking to do in that moment is to truly say, look, we, every blessing, everything that we have comes from the Father. You look at James 1.17, you look at a number of passages, everything, the whole canon of Scripture points to, to life is a blessing. Everything that we have is from the Lord. And in our worship of Him, we're going to take an opportunity to recognize that. So we're going to be singing the doxology week after week. Um, in a strain or a Baptist kind of stream of faith like ours to some degree, uh, I know that, that we're the people that would say we're only doing it right if we never do the same thing twice to some degree. We do, we, sometimes we balk at traditions and, and doing things over and over. We really believe this is going to be a helpful thing for us. So I hope at each week as we sing that God is just writing this onto our hearts, that every blessing comes from him, and we get the picture of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, the, the triune God who gives us all good things. So just want to get out there and say that one thing I'm super excited about in a season that's new is singing this rich hymn together with you and letting it grow gravitate our heart and ground us into the gospel life that gives, uh, that gives of our resources, that gives of our finances, that gives of our energy so that, so that Christ might be honored and people might know him. All right, uh, talking a lot about giving today because uh, in, in this week, which is our final week in, the, in a series that we've called Living in the Spirit, we're going to be talking about the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. Spiritual gifts is kind of what we're going to talk about today and, and really approach it uh, through the lens of four very specific things. Here's what they are. What's a spiritual gift? What, what is it? Uh, not what we think it is, what we've heard it is. What does Scripture say a spiritual gift is? Here's the second thing. What are they for? Uh, 
What are these gifts for? What's the purpose? What's the, what's the end goal here? What's the end that we're trying to reach uh, as a part of these gifts? The third thing, how do we relate to the gifts that we have? If we have a spiritual gift, how do I relate to it? How do I not just interact with it in a utilitarian way, not just how do I use it, but what is my heart, what is my attitude toward this gift that God's given me? And then finally, look, I can look around this room, and I know a number of you, I can, I can very easily tell you, I mean, I know your spiritual gift. I just know what it is. There are a number of you that, that, that I don't know your gift yet, uh, and you might not even know your gift. So the fourth thing is this. How do we get to a place where we understand what our spiritual gift is? This is the thing we're going to look at today. We're going to look at a number of, of texts that relate to this, particularly 1 Corinthians 12, which we're going to read in a minute. We're also going to look at, at Romans uh, 12, and then also uh, really important for us to look into Ephesians 4 as well. So that's kind of give you a framework and understand of where we're going to be. Uh, so let's dive in now. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, we're, going to, we're going to start there. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. It'll be on the screen for you. Here's what it says. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to inter- and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so there's a lot here. There's a whole lot here just in these 11, 11 verses, but we're going to do our best to, to, to unpack and ask the Lord to reveal to us uh, in this time what it is, the, the key premises that he has to show us about what it is that a spiritual gift is, what it's for, what our relationship is to it, and then ultimately how we discover it. Uh, but before we jump into that, I, I want to start with an analogy. Uh, and I haven't done a lot of this lately. Uh, and, and so the, the, here's the thing. The goal each week is to teach the scriptures. And sometimes there's funny stuff, uh, and sometimes there's not. And some people love the funny stuff, and some people don't. Uh, we're gonna, we're, to each is given a manifestation of the Spirit, and to each is given a different level of humor in this room. Okay, so, but, but here's where we're going to go. We're going to do a little pop culture this morning because I think it really ties in. I've been thinking about spiritual gifts all week, and so I've been thinking about this television show called The Office. How many of you are familiar with The Office? Okay, a number of you. We're going to spread out the room so we can kind of just get it, get it more evenly distributed next week. Um, look, okay, so everybody on this side knows The Office, and some folks over here. Here's the deal. The Office is a show about, you guessed it, an office. All these people that work together, uh, the inner working of their relationships, uh, and there's this one particular episode that Office fans really remember. Uh, it's, it surrounds a Christmas party, uh, and, and the, the, all the characters in The Office, they all work together, and they're having a, a, a Christmas party in The Office in which everybody has done this thing called Secret Santa. How many of you have done Secret Santa before? 
All right, we know this, all right? Secret Santa, it's you, you draw somebody's name and you get them a gift. And here's the thing about Secret Santa. It's fun because you get to really express a giving, a loving, an understanding of the person that you've given a gift to. You're buying something with them in mind. You're thinking about them and what they would like, if you're doing this right, apparently. You, you give them something that you think they would want. So, so uh, Michael, the boss in the office, and all the characters are there. And So here's how this begins to play out in this episode of The Office, all right? They're doing it. It's a $20 limit, and they're doing this thing where they're exchanging presents. So uh, Kelly gives Oscar, Oscar's the accountant, this guy in the office, he gets a shower radio. All right, he's pumped. He likes it. He's really excited about it. The next one up is Pam. And, and Jim has chosen, uh, Jim loves Pam, and Jim has, has chosen to get Pam, and he buys her this teapot and, and that, that she really, really loves. Jim, unfortunately, gets this gift from Creed. And if you know Creed on the show, he's the guy who doesn't know anybody. He's like not really in community with anybody. He's a pretty weird dude. Uh, and Jim, he gives Jim a shirt. And it's like very obvious that the shirt that he's received is just like an old shirt that Creed grabbed. And Jim's like, hey, I think the guy just like forgot my gift. And he just like grabbed a shirt out of his closet or his car, I don't know, and put it in a basically the equivalent of a Walmart bag and handed it to me. And then Creed's like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, the next gift is Ryan and Michael, the, 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 the boss in the office, gives him an iPod. Okay, so that doesn't mean much to us right now. I understand that because we all use our phones. But, but at the time, the iPod was like, you know, with the time around this episode came out, this is like a $400 deal. Like this is really, really expensive. Uh, and everybody is pretty frustrated with Michael because he's given him this expensive gift. But you can hear where it comes from because the, the whole episode starts in this way. And this is, this is just him to a T. He says, look, presents are the best way to show someone how much you care. It's like this tangible thing you can point to and say, hey, man, I love you this many dollars worth. <laughs> That's his understanding of the gifting. So Michael is, 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 has given Ryan this iPod. He's, he's wanting adulation. He's wanting praise. He's wanting affirmation. Michael's the next one that gets a gift. He gets this gift from Phyllis, and it is a hand-knit oven mitt. Now, the guy who just gave away a, a $400 iPod uh, gets a hand-knit oven mitt. And so his, his, the, the thing that he thinks is this, I am loved, I am affirmed, I am worth a handmade oven mitt. And I'm not really excited about that. So Michael launches in and he does this thing called Yankee Swap. All right, Yankee Swap. Who knows what Yankee Swap is? Not a ton of us unless you've seen the episode because we don't live in the North. Apparently, those guys up there, and if you're one of those guys and you're a transplant or you're here visiting, I, we like you. I hope you'll continue to come back. I didn't mean to kind of segue in this direction. Uh, put it in my mouth. But Northerners are great. God loves Northerners too. Here's the thing. Uh, I'm going to go back now. Um, they call it Yankee Swap. We call it typically Dirty Santa or white elephant or something like that. Michael comes in and he's like, look, this is what we're doing. We're swapping it around. We're mixing it up. We're doing it in this way. Now, this is a game where, and I think, I'm pretty sure we're, we're Trinitarian, so I think it's three, but the rule is you can, you, can, you can either pick from the pile or you can steal somebody else's gift. And I think it's three times. Is that the rule officially? Well, most of us are confident in that. The cell family may play it that way. Okay. So, it, so three times, and then, it, then it's frozen, and then that person gets the gift. But the whole deal is that these gifts were bought for individual people. 
They were given to individuals with individuals in mind. They were given to specific people. And now the game has changed where people are saying, you know what, I'm not satisfied with what's been given to me. I want to go get something different. This is Corinth. This is the church that Paul writes to in Corinth. These people are are enamored with a number of the giftings that are mentioned here. They're enamored with the idea of, of prophecy and speaking in tongues and interpreting tongues. This is the stuff that they want. You know why? Because in this church at this moment, God is doing some really ecstatic and wild things by his spirit. These are real things that are are happening. God's Spirit is moving, and people want to feel this. They want this tangible. I want to know that that, that I'm experiencing God in this deep way. I want to have the gift that that is, is so desired and so wanted by others. This is the struggle. This is the thing that's happening in the church at Corinth. It's Yankee Swap, all right? It's what's happening. People want these gifts. And Paul, in his teaching, helps us understand what a gift is. Let's get back to the core. What is a spiritual gift? What is this really for? Okay, now, if I can understand these things, I can understand how do I relate to this gift? And then how do I have to understand that I don't relate, perhaps, to some of these other gifts? And then finally, for a church, and look, I'll just be very honest, like ours talking about a campus that's coming up on, on three years, I think a big part of where we are right now is, is being unified and coming together in this unique way and understanding what it means to be the church. What it means to be the church, a big part of that is understanding our spiritual gifts. We're going to know that because we're going to read in this text, and particularly in Ephesians, to figure out why that's important. So let's walk through these things, uh, particularly beginning with uh, the understanding of what a spiritual gift is. To understand this, we're going to look at a couple of these pieces. One, uh, the, the 1 Corinthians 12 one to three portion. I think this is challenging. You, you read these three verses off the top that we just read together, and they look almost in some ways disconnected from the others. He says concerning spiritual gifts, and then you, he gets to this point where he says, look, you used to be pagans. You were led by idols, however, however you were led. But then he says in verse three, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. What's Paul doing in this moment? He's really given the prerequisite, the understanding of what it means to even possess a spiritual gift, and it's this. He's saying that confessing Jesus is Lord is a picture of the gospel working, the Spirit indwelling someone. That this confession, this recognition of Jesus as Lord, of being indwelled by the Spirit has to happen in order for someone to have a spiritual gift. He, he mentions these, these people saying Jesus is accursed. At this time in Corinth and in the Greco-Roman world, one of the things that's happening in the, in the Jewish, or one of the things rather that's happening in the Jewish church is that all of these people that, that, are, that are, are around the Jewish church and in the synagogue, there are, there are Jewish folks that are pressuring people to denounce to denounce Jesus, to say that he is a curse, to come back. Don't, they, they, see, they don't see Jesus as Messiah. They don't see Jesus as Savior. Instead, they're saying, you've got to denounce this and come back to faith. You've got to come back to the law. And Paul's saying, no, 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 you don't understand. The, the prerequisite, the understanding for all gifting, really the understanding for all things, is, is the proclamation of the gospel, the understanding, the utterance that Jesus Christ himself is Lord. That comes, he says, in the Holy Spirit. No one says Jesus is Lord except 
in the Holy Spirit. So an understanding that, that to even just enter the conversation of spiritual gifts, like entering the conversation of anything, the gospel is, is prerequisite. The gospel is the most prevalent thing. If we're going to talk about spiritual gifts, we've got to talk about the fact that all comes from God himself through his son Jesus and by his spirit. All right. So what is a spiritual gift? Now we're going to look to a very particular verse that you just read. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Just, just two words we really got to dive into to really kind of understand exactly what this means. This word manifestation, if we're to look deeply at the etymology of the Greek word, what Paul is really, really saying in his own language, in his own time, that God is saying to us, carried along by his spirit for us to understand this, is this manifestation means coming to light. Coming to light, not just in the sense that it's revealed, but there's also a duality here because it's coming to light in the recognition of Jesus Christ as the light and life. Of the gospel. What Paul is saying here is that this manifestation, this is an exhibition, this is an expression, and ultimately it's given as an endowment. All of this to mean that, that the Spirit, the, the manifestation of the Spirit, the gift of the Spirit is this it is a picture of God, it is a picture of Christ, it's a picture of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Spirit is not just, just a thing. It's a picture of the only thing. It's a picture of God himself. This word carries this connotation. It means to make visible or to make clear or to place in open view. Here is what a spiritual gift does. It doesn't just accomplish a task. It reveals the Holy Spirit that lives inside us. That's what a spiritual gift does. It's not this tool that we pull out of our pocket and we use when necessary. No, instead, it is the very picture of who Christ is and what he's done in us. And, and that is, is shown through the way that we express the spirit that has been given to us. All right, that's what a spiritual gift is. It's a true picture of the Christ life inside of us, that we've been transformed and that the Spirit lives in us. Now, uh, in a simple way, looking into the, the last portion, the common good, what is the common good? All right, this word means to bring together. It means to bring together. It means to be joined in order that something might be, you guessed it, good. But not just good in the way that we like think ice cream is good or it's good that all of these students are graduating high school or that the music was good or that the coffee is good, right? I didn't get a lot of head nods on the coffee is good, so that's a bummer. Um, but it's not just like good, like the way you and I say good. It's like this is the good that it is. God made this and it was good. It's that kind of good. Common good, this good that is realized, this beauty of God's creation as, thing, as this thing that's brought together. It's brought together. What we're talking about here, what Paul's talking about with the reality of, of a spiritual gift that is this picture of Christ for the purpose of deep unity is a picture of of the church and the goal of what you and I are to be. This is Ephesians. This will be on the screen as well. Chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. 
It says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Here's what's exciting about this passage. A couple of things. One, we get a picture of some of these spiritual giftings on the front end in 11. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. And then we get a picture of what these people, what this gifting, this manifestation, this picture of God within people, this picture of the Holy Spirit that indwells, what it's for. What's it for? What's the purpose? What is the common good? This is it. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. So that's a, that's a component of it that yields this. The building up of the body of Christ. We can see that as we walk all the way down into 16. And it says this. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Do you know what the point of your spiritual gift is? Everybody but you. Everybody but you. Your gift is just given to you in order to minister to others. That is the point of a spiritual gift. The Corinthian church is really struggling with this. And I would venture to say, because we're not perfect either, there are folks in here that struggle with this too. We look at other people's giftings and we think, man, I wish I had, I wish I had that gift or I wish I had that gift or I would rather do that. I, 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 could, I, could re, I would really love to be able to do that. And yet God by design says, I've gifted you in order to help equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Okay, look, I've got a job and people think it's super spiritual. All right? Like every, every week... Or most weeks, as a part of, of, of this family of faith in this church, I spend time preaching. So uh, a number of people that haven't met me yet think that I'm this super spiritual person. That, that was supposed to be funny. Um, <laughs> I, that legitimately, that they, th- that they think, well, that's the guy, that's the guy that, that knows God a, a ton more than me. And man, I, I, you know, I, God probably wants me to be like him. God probably wants me to be a person uh, that, that, that preaches and that teaches. You know what? It's not even just a probably. For a number of folks, God has not designed you for this And he doesn't want you to do this. He wants you to do something different. And you need to know that there are most days that I look out at a number of you and I think about what God is doing in your life and the way that you're gifted. And there's times when I'm like, I want to be you. I want to be you. I want to be that person that is deeply hospitable. I want to be that person that, that I know from a personal story. Like one thing that I, I, I really, in a selfish way, would long for uh, would be just like the gift of faith. Like I don't have that. And some people have that. They just have it. 
And I don't have that, but you know what I get? I get the opportunity to, to communicate with that person and to be a part of community with that person, and they get to minister to me through that gift. You know what? Every, every Sunday the goal is here in us gathering, and while we have a moment like this, and while we spend time singing, while we go to community group and not just have a lesson, but while we're taught and instructed by the Scriptures, is this, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Do you know whose job it is to minister to people? Yours is your job. That's what God has called you to. Not to come to this place once a week and, and look nice and be nice and be around people who look nice and are nice. No, God's called you here to be encouraged to hear the truth, the deep reality of the gospel that he created you in his image, that you tried to destroy that and ruin it with your own sin and selfishness, that he has given his son, Jesus Christ, for you and his life, his death, and his resurrection create this opportunity for you to have a restored relationship with this God that you sinned against. And that if you repent and trust him by his spirit, you are made new. His spirit comes to live inside you. We come to share that with each other every week because that's the work of ministry. That's the gospel. And we do it in a billion different ways. We do it through giving. We do it through ministering with, to, with each other just in a merciful way, just being near each other, praying for one another when we're walking through a hard season. We do it by teaching each other. We do all these things, but here's the reality. The common good, you know what the common good looks like? It looks like this place that's being built up in unity where there are all these people that have been vastly or gifted in these vastly different ways, and they're ministering to each other. Do you know what Corinth... Paul's calling them to look like Jew, Greek, slave, free. It doesn't matter where they've come from. What they have been saved into is the reality that they are connected, that they are all in one God. It is one spirit, it's one Lord, and it's one God that empowers all of these giftings. What, what Paul does in, in 1 Corinthians 12 is gives this very true Trinitarian picture of God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and what that life looks like. You know what it looks like? It looks like us ministering to one another through the very various gifts that God has given us. He's given us these different things. Here's the problem with that. Some of us, at times, we don't like the thing that we've got, and we want the other thing. You're not alone. I'm with you in that, too. There's plenty of days where, where I wish I was more merciful, where I wish I was more giving, where I wish I, I could discern goodness. Mia, I, I, she wants me to have this one every day. Just where I was just discerning. I was more discerning. And yet, in many ways, some of those things are not my gifting. You know what the beauty is? I got you. I got you. And you got me. And not just in some sort of like kumbaya, like camp kind of way, but in this way in the sense that God is building his church to be this beautiful reflection of unity where all these people from different nations, tribes, tongues, all come together no matter our socioeconomic background, no matter what we've come from, we're all one in Christ, and that is the picture of the beauty of God's love to the world. All right, here's the thing. 
this gift that we have? How do we relate to that gift? I want us to look into Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, this is verses 3 through 8. Uh, and, and Paul writes some very similar things that he's writing in 1 Corinthians. He's saying it in a different way to the church at Rome. Uh, but you're going to pick up on some of the same nuances, some of the same things that are happening. Unity, the body, function, all of these things. This is Romans 12, 3 through 8. It says this. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Here's what's happening here. It's a struggle, and Paul recognizes two very distinct things in the way that we relate to our spiritual gifts. Here's the first one. This is what he says right off the bat. I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Here's the first thing. We see in Romans 12, 3, that we're to think reasonably about the gifts that have been given to us. We approach these gifts with humility and not pride. I don't know how we could have pride about something that we didn't earn and that was given to us, and yet in our brokenness, we still figure out how. We still figure out how to be prideful of stuff that is that's just given to us. It's given to us. It is a gift. It is the spirit that has, that has come into us, that has indwelled us, and truly is the manifestation of the gift. The gift ultimately is just a picture of God. So we can't approach the gift that we have with pride. We can't. Here's why. Because that gift is not your identity. Your spiritual gift is not your identity. You know what I am? I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor at the core, ultimately. This is my vocation and a calling, absolutely. But the reality is, is I'm a sinner that has been saved by God's grace. That's my identity. That's who I am. All right? And, and all of the, the things that I do that Michael does in his life are a function that flows from that. That's the fount from which everything else comes. So any, anything is a result of that. Is your identity bound up in the gift of the Spirit? No. Your identity is bound up in the fact that the Spirit indwells you. That if you have trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior... That the Holy Spirit lives inside you. That's your identity too. That you are a sinner saved by grace. That the God who created you in his image has restored you into relationship with him through the life, death, and resurrection of his son by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's your identity. Not the gift itself. So, so Paul urges us to see and say, look, you can't think more highly about this than you ought to. One, because it's a gift. You didn't do it. You didn't earn it. You didn't make it happen. You didn't muster it up. And the second thing is, it's not who you are. It's ultimately a reflection. Hear this. It is a reflection of the Jesus that's within you. That's what your spiritual gift is. Here's the other thing. 
Um, we see that we're to concentrate on the gifts God has given us. It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. If it's prophecy, in proportion to your faith. If it's service, in your service. If it's teaching, in your teaching. If it's, in, if it's the one who exhorts, in his exhortation. If it's the one who contributes in generosity. All of these things, we need to live in respect to our gifts and concentrate on the ones that God has given us. This means that, that we got to have trust and not dissatisfaction in the gifts that God has given us. That we got to trust in what he's doing. That he knows what he's doing. That he has given us this ability to be hospitable. He's given us this ability to be merciful. He's given us this ability, this true ability, this gifting to have administrative aptitude and qualities and ability. Nobody, who, who has the spiritual gift of administration? All right? You folks are not the ones that are like going to you know, print out a badge and be like, check it out, guys, administration right here. I got what you need, right? But the reality is, is that God is a God of order. He's a God of order. And there is beauty in the way that a Joe or a Winston or others would use their giftings so that our church would grow and be unified and that we would truly reflect the, the God that is so beautiful that, that he orders things. we got to be satisfied and trust in the gifting. And we got to not be this person that says, I want that gifting. And I want that gifting. Because that's Yankee Swap. It's just choosing. It's just deciding, hey, what, what, what has been apportioned to me is not good enough. I would rather do something differently. This flows from bad theology. This flows from a bad understanding of what we've already covered uh, and, and really just talked about. That, that it's the spirit that indwells us. It's the spirit that makes us new. The gift reflects the spirit. So guess what? I don't care what, what function, what way it comes out. The spirit of God, Jesus Christ, God the Father is being reflected in what you do when you're obedient to that gifting. And it's beautiful. And it's necessary. And it is needed for this body. It's a part of the work of ministry that, that, that we're all called to, every single one of us. So we got to relate to our giftings in this way, not with pride, but with humility, not with dissatisfaction, but with trust, not with thinking that this is our identity, but recognizing that our identity is the spirit that lives within us, that we've been restored to God, that we are connected to him by the spirit through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And so as a result, I can trust God with whatever gift he's given me. All right, here's the last thing. How do we discover that gift? Um, a number of us in this room likely know, you probably know your, your spiritual gift. Uh, there, are, there are others that, that are probably at a place where you're like, Look, I, I want to know what my, what my gift is. Or I think I know, but how can I really, truly discover that? All right. Um, I grew up in a world where we took this thing called a spiritual gift assessment. Anybody else? Anybody else do this? All right. Two things about this uh, that I think are, are really important for us to understand and gravitate toward. And, and in some ways, I'm not like it, it can be a helpful tool used in the right context. But here's where I would land on this thing. All right. One, um, you know how to get whatever you want to get out of that test. Do you realize that? Like you, you read these answers or these questions intuitively and you're like, you know what, I, I kind of really think I want to do the teaching thing. So I think this is kind of the angle I need, I need to go, right? The, look, one, 
Maybe you guys just are not nearly as sinful as I am, but that, that, that's just a, a, a real possibility that you can do that, okay? Here's the other thing. Um, you don't find out your gifting in isolation. You don't find out your gifting in isolation by being by yourself and taking some sort of assessment. Why is that? Well, one, there, there, there's some really ordered and I think biblical logic in the reality that, that if God has given us spiritual gifts for the common good, that, it, that it, those, the gifts that we have are for the building up of the body, why would I discover, why would I be able to discern that apart from the body? It doesn't make any sense. I want to quote a guy. Uh, this, this is uh, Thomas Schreiner. He's at Southern Seminary. Brilliant theologian. Love a lot of the stuff he's done with spiritual gifts. Here's what, what he says. He says, the best way to discover your gift is not by taking a test. And I think this is really helpful, too. He says, look, the early church didn't have these tools, and they somehow figured out their giftings as well. He says, rather, get involved in the lives of others in your church and love Jesus as you've been commanded, and then you'll discover your gift. You want to find out what your spiritual gift is? Be here. Be present. Be a part of the church. I, I know this happens in this way because I watch it happening in my family every day. All of these little people that, that live with me and I that are a part of our family, I'm watching them not just find their place, but they're discovering who they are because Mia and I are able to call out these things in them. We see this, this, like, this, this ability to, to be compassionate. We see this, this tenderheartedness. We see this kindness. We see these things in them, and we're able to help these little girls understand who they are. Spiritual gifts work the same way. The thing that God has put in us, the thing that he has given us, this manifestation, this picture of, this way that we exhibit his spirit is discovered, it's found out when we live in community together. So... I, look, here's the deal. We don't like set it up to do this. I promise every week we're not like setting it up to make this happen in this way. It's the Lord. So you, if you don't like it, take it up with him. Okay, here's the deal. Go be in a community group. And you could say, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about going to a community group. And like, stop thinking about it and go do it. Just go be a part of one. Go be a part of one. Go experience and come to understand what your gifting is so that we can build up the church. Look, here's the thing. I'm like everybody else in the world. I'm, I'm sinful and I'm broken and I want to be a part of stuff that on the veneer, on the outside, looks super successful. I'm like every, probably every other one of you in this room, unless you're a person who like really wants the leg room or the arm room. Like, I want every, all of these chairs to be filled up with people. And to experience the gospel and to be a part of relationship with us. But like, we don't want people to come in here because you want to look nice and be nice. And you want to be in a room with other people that look nice and act nice. We want people to be here because they're growing in the gospel. They're growing in such a way that we're longing to build up the church. That in the life of this young campus, we're seeing God do this amazing thing where people from different spectrums, people from different ages or economic groups or different places or backgrounds or ideologies, all of those things pale in comparison to the reality that we're so deeply connected in Christ that other people are drawn to that. And they want to know 
how do you get to be a part of this love? If you want to see this place grow like that the way that I do, go be involved in community. Find out your giftings as a result. Let people speak into you these things that they see as they understand and interact with you and see God in your life. Let them tell you how they see him working and to help you understand these gifts so that you can love us, that you can love this church better. And that we can grow up this place to be a place where... Look, how many of you have, have experienced God in the context of this church? You've experienced God. You've, I like, legitimately keep your hand raised. You've either heard from the Lord, you've been comforted, you've been ministered to, you've been challenged, you've been encouraged, you've been convicted, you've, you've felt love, you've felt faith, hope, peace, all of these things. If this is you, don't you want other people to experience that too? Now I just want to see who will leave their hand up the longest. Um, uh, but look, look, you want other people to experience this too. You know how we do that? We go, get a, go be in community. Look, there's, you can walk out of this room today and there's this little table out to the right of this right door called Connection Point. You can ask someone and just say, hey, look, you know, the mean guy up there said I need to join one of these groups. What does that look like for me? And come at 9 a.m. and be a part of one of these groups. Here's why. Because you're going to understand your giftings and you're going to get to be a part of participating in the gospel in such a way that God builds his church up through you. What a gift. That's really, really incredible. Here's the last thing. All of this is bound up in love. All of this, every bit of this is bound up in love. Look, you look to the, the Ephesians 4 uh, passage and it says, it says this in the Ephesians 4 passage. When each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12 and he describes spiritual gifts and he gives this list and then he goes on with this beautiful explanation of an understanding of the body and what the body is, how we're members of one another, how this all works together. And when he's talking about the Lord's Supper in chapter 11 and how people are not behaving properly, they're not loving their neighbor. When he's talking about chapter 14, he's talking about all these people that want these ecstatic things, these, 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 really, these really signed gifts, these charismatic gifts. They want these things and not administration or helps or service. These kind of speaking gifts that, that are, are so different and unique and seem so mystical and spiritual in comparison with others. You know what the thing that anchors all of that is? Is love. In 1 Corinthians 13, he says that... that all of this, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you speak in tongues or you interpret tongues or you heal or you give prophecy or you do any of these things. It doesn't matter what it is. If you do any of this stuff or all of this stuff and you don't have love, it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Because the goal of all of this is that the church would be built up in unity to reflect love. Do you know why? Why love is the greatest of these things? Faith, hope, love, that love is the greatest. This is 1 Corinthians 12, 9. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Here's the reality. Faith will become sight for you and me. Hope will be realized. Love never ends. It never ends. It is the posture of God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit to each of us and has been forever and will forever continue to be. 
So here's where I would ask you today. I want our worship team to come, and as we prepare uh, to take a few moments and just really contemplate, uh, here's what I would be encouraged for us to do. Two things, very quickly. If you know your spiritual gift, recognize that your gift is not about what it is, but that's a reflection of the gospel in you, that it's a reflection of God's presence in you. If you know your spiritual gift, would you pray that you would not only be not prideful, about that gift, but that you would trust God with it and be satisfied. And here's the other thing. If, this is, if, if, I, if, the, if the Spirit is laying on your heart during this, this time, this season, hey, these seem like sweet folks. I like this church. We want to be around these people. Uh, we just encourage you to dive in and, and connect with community. Look, if, if, you, if you came to me after the service and said, hey, I don't know about a community group, but I want to meet some people, I'll like pair you with some awesome folks that will make you a great meal and convince you that community group's awesome and you'll be there the next Sunday. All right? Um, we, we want to do this. We want to see our church built up in unity, and the picture of it is love. That's what it looks like. Let's pray together, everyone. God, you have given us your spirit. Because we have repented and trusted in you, um, God, you have made us alive in Christ through your spirit. Even that is of you. You've done it in us, Father. And so we recognize that. And Father, even as, as we, we've been thinking about your Holy Spirit for, for several weeks now and just coming to the recognition, God, that, that you are not far away by your spirit, but instead you indwell us. God, that you empower us to to live in obedience, that you convict us, that you comfort us, that you help us, that you cause us to discern. God, that that your spirit truly is for unity, that we might be a people built up to glorify you and to make you known so that people could experience the love that we've experienced. So Father, this morning, for each of us, wherever we are, for, for, for my friends, for these people, for this body. God, for those of us that, that know our spiritual gift, God, would you impress upon us that our gift is not our identity, that it's, that it's a reflection of the identity that we have that you've saved us. And Father, for those, those, of, those people that are in this place that are longing to find community, um, God, would you help them find that and help them recognize the beauty is that their gift and the love that you've given them will be put on full display as they discover it. Pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.